your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. We have a fun, a fun show today and a fun show tomorrow. All they're all fun, right? Like these shows are gonna be fun. Ted Wilson, the chair of the biology department at Viterbo is gonna join us. And if you've listened a lot, if you listen to just about every show, you'll have heard Ted Wilson before. And we've had a lot of fun talking about bugs. We're gonna talk about he he gave me the name. The official name, although I don't think, I think there's probably a name I can't pronounce that's more official, and he can give me that too uh, in a little bit here, but the multicolored Asian lady beetles uh, that we're all so annoyed about. Um, you talk about why they're here, how how uh, troublesome they are, how to get rid of them, maybe how to eat them. No, we're going to talk about that with crickets, uh, the idea that... Uh, we might be eating bugs someday. Ted said he didn't know about that, but uh, I think I think we're all we're all going to be on the bug train soon enough. Um, after that, Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel is going to join, and they had some news yesterday as they put out their plans with COVID. Every Wednesday, they just they 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 kind of had some instead of a, another delay. They've been delaying bringing kids back into school instead of that news which we I kind of expected it to change but you never know now now it might change again uh, based on if you just want to go from one single day of, of cases uh, the state reported we had 52 cases today of COVID-19 and and maybe that's just an outlier or, or maybe it's the beginning of a trend who knows we we never know right like so but the the school district said they're going to bring children back into classes um 4k through fifth grade october 26th and then after that um maybe sixth through what eighth grade uh a couple weeks after that november 2nd so not even a couple weeks a week after that and then high schoolers good luck you're staying at home so we'll find out why that is too and, and I just have some questions, uh, you know, on what that looks like. And for all you parents out there, if you got questions you want to ask, the superintendent, text me, 608-785-7914, the talking text line. Um, I want to get Brad in here a little earlier to do the news so that we could have more time with Ted because I'm only going to bring him on for one segment. Usually we go, we go most of the show because we just have a lot of fun talking about bugs and uh, the nonsense surrounding bugs. But uh, I want to get, I want to, I want to get Engel in here too, to talk about uh, opening schools. I had, I have another question for him too, since we're having all these debates and we've had assembly debates twice this week already. There's another one tomorrow. And maybe Main Street guy can text me and tell me what district it is that's south of here. I'm guessing, I think it's the 96th. Josephine James and Lauren Olberding. Olber, Olbers, Oldenburg, there we go. Uh, they're, they're debating tomorrow, 9.30 a.m. So an early one. But you can always watch rewatch it later. You, you can go check out the stories on wisdomnews.com and links to the debates too if you want to watch them or or just get the recap. I suggest watching them. They're they're a lot they're they're pretty interesting in terms of, you know, they're not Joe Biden, Donald Trump interesting, 
or lack thereof, but they're pretty interesting, especially, you know, if you're in this area, but also like with these assembly, you know, candidates that are eventually going to be in the assembly, like it's a state assembly. So they're going to represent a district, but also they're going to be part of a group that's, you know, not doing anything right now. Right. We haven't met since mid April aside from 30 second, 30 seconds of, uh, not, not debating policing bills that weren't all that ridiculous. I think we could have, it wasn't like defund the police bills. It was more like ban chokeholds and, you know, no knock warrants, stuff like that, that, you know, we, I think we could get on the, if lawmakers want to get on the floor and debate that, bring experts in, talk about it, whether or not we should do that. The La Crosse police department made a bust yesterday with a knock warrant and if you read their little, if you read their their statement, it's on wisdomnews.com as well. They got the one guy driving away and two other guys apparently jumped out the window. So, you know, if you want to ban no-knock warrants, uh, then you have guys jumping out the window. <laughs> so, um, in, a, in what the police said was the biggest fentanyl bust in La Crosse County ever. And I think that that just breaks a record that was a month and a half old because I think on the beginning of September, they, they had another big fentanyl bust. Um, so anyway, those are, those are my thoughts. All right. We're going to bring Ted Wilson in. We're going to talk about multicolored Asian lady beetles. Are there not male beetles, lady, multicolored Asian male beetles, the opposite of what lady guy beetles. I don't know. Uh, we'll ask Ted that as well. And, uh, angle after that, we'll be back. Here's Brad going to do the news in just a minute. I'm with him. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now is the chair of the biology department at Viterbo University, Dr. Ted Wilson. How's it going, Ted? Great, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How how has uh, how's college gone so far? You've got you've got classes. You got students in class. Yep. Yeah, we've been hanging in there. Uh, we've been uh, having class face to face and online all all semester so far. So. Uh, hanging in there, uh, we've been able to keep students healthy and, and faculty and staff and employees healthy and kind of keep adapting. And uh, when, when someone tests positive, we put them in quarantine and bring them food and those types of things and uh, just kind of take care of everybody. Now, do you, uh, are you doing anything like special? Are you going outside? Uh, are you, are you you're teaching? You just go out in the woods? You're a biology professor. I imagine you could make, it, make this pretty creative before it gets too cold out. Well, yeah, yeah. Now it's getting a little cold now, but uh, we actually have tents out in the uh, out in the uh, middle of campus there, and people have been having lectures and those types of things uh, outside and under the tent. And I get to I get to take students outside. Actually, I was just uh, in canoes this afternoon with students out at Pettibone looking for invasive uh, plants. Yeah, it sounds awful. <laughs> no, it sounds <laughs> I get great. Paid to do this is awesome. Yeah, it's right. pretty great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and I, I know one of the professors there. He's got the same name as like the GM for the Bulls. I can't, or, or a former coach for the Bulls. Now I can't think of it. Um, but he always does the class where they they stay outside with the, you know, as as if they were homeless. Um, you know, you guys could tough it out too once winter comes. I think that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thibodeau. Yeah. So. Um, it's, uh, you know, that's a great experience too. We try to, at Viterbo, we try to give students real life experiences that they can take, uh, under their careers and personal lives after college. Now, do you teach a lesson on, uh, what you called, uh, multicolored Asian lady beetles? Has this ever come up in class? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Uh, this time of year, um, uh, you know, 
animals and try to adapt to the upcoming winter, right? And uh, we have this uh, this uh, multicolored Asian lady beetle, which uh, uh, really does not like cold weather, and it has adapted to trying to find caves, which we call our homes, uh, to get out of the cold weather. Now, they, they, they obviously they're from Asia, but they they probably didn't have cold weather back where, yeah. where we got them? Yeah, 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 they do, actually. Oh, um, they do. Now, here's the thing is uh, this is that we, you know, we can we'd consider this a pest, right, because it gets in our homes, and we can talk about what it does to uh, and that. But we actually uh, re- reintroduced it in the United States uh, many years ago uh, as a control, a biological control, which is basically using another organism to eat a pest. In this case, it was a soybean aphid that got here by accident and was really devastating soybean fields. So farmers, actually, soybean farmers specifically, really appreciate the uh, multicolored Asian lady beetle for that fact. Okay, so so we're actually okay as, a, as, as farmers in agriculture. We're okay with these things? Um, yeah, but the deal is, is that we didn't realize that this behavior of getting in homes was going to be uh, such a problem as it is. Um, and so that was an unfortunate uh, side effect of using this beetle to uh, eat another pest. And so I don't know if, if we would turn back the clock and maybe change that decision back in the day, but uh, it's a done deal now. Why don't we just genetically modify them so they can just stay outside so they're tougher? I didn't, I didn't know you were into the genetically modified <laughs> wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last time we had you on, we talked about genetically modifying mosquitoes. <laughs> so now just let's genetically. And and they're called multicolored Asian lady beetles, but there's boy beetles, right? Are there not guy beetles? <laughs> yeah, What's going they, on? Uh, I, you know, I, you know, I don't know why. They, they went back and you know called call them lady beetles or lady bird beetle, beetles. Actually, uh, maybe uh, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, the uh, first uh, um, lady of uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Uh, she was actually named after this beetle, as, as I understand it. Okay, and then she probably regretted that after after some time. Did, <laughs> yeah, I would love to uh, have to gotten her opinion on that. Did we not? Uh, but, but there's a problem with these beetles, as as many people know, is they get in our homes, and um, one of the best ways that you can do to prevent that is is, is uh, you know replace your broken screens and make sure that you storm windows in and and all of those of those things. Is, is that's the best way to go about preventing them from getting into your house. And a good shop vac, right? Like a good yeah. I wouldn't recommend putting pesticides inside your house if you've got a large number of these. Um, I just really, you know, maybe if you are want to go that route, talk with a professional and get that. Uh, that. But as you said, I, I, you know, a shop vac, and then you can uh, just put the bag out in the freezing cold and or throw it away, and you're good to go. Yeah, I just take them. I dump them out near my neighbor's house. That's what I do. The neighbors that I don't like. Oh, good neighbors. Just, yes. just kidding, Especially neighbors. If they're a soybean farmer. Then, <laughs> yeah, I could go dump them in the soybean farm, uh, the soybean fields by my house. Um, do uh, did we not do our homework when we went and decided to bring them over? You know, if they're over there in Asia, did we not talk to anyone, any of the homeowners over there, and be like, hey, do these things yeah. come in your house, or did they do they not do that over there? Yeah, I, I actually I would assume that they do do that over there. Now it might be that it's just a different uh, different culture, and uh, they may not have the winter as in all the places. But um, 
you know, it's, that's one of the big risks whenever we bring another species across, you know, the, 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 the pond, as they say, uh, over the ocean and, and introduce a new ecosystem is, you know, we wanted to do a specific thing. We wanted to control a very damaging pest, and we hope that that um, is the only thing it does. But there are other side effects. You know, it, it, we're also finding that it does out-competing maybe in some cases our native uh, lady beetles because this is not the only lady beetle. There are many different species of lady beetles that we have. So if you happen to see any just a lady beetle, it's not always going to be the multicolored Asian lady beetle. In fact, I would say it's kind of given lady beetles a bad name. Um, Joe's calling in. Joe, do you have a question about bugs here? Well, I am glad that he just pointed that out because there is a difference between native lady beetles and then what they brought across to try to control an aphid. And I want to just point out, you know, we were lied to for many, many years when they said that a lot of these things came over accidentally on shipping containers when they were specifically chosen to control another species over here. And I just want everybody just to look at how China has... uh, has manipulated COVID and this. Okay. So, yep, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Joe, you're, you're banned from the show. I mean, geez, we could have just kept it at, at Lady Asia Beatles, <laughs> but then he had to say that the Beatles are going to bring us COVID. No, I don't know where he's going with that. But uh, um, are these, is this conversation too late to have the, because we're going to get a freeze tonight. This is going to be the first freeze. Are they all going to be dead after tonight or, or are they pretty hardy, so to speak? Well, they are pretty susceptible to freezing, and um, and uh, this this freeze tonight will put a, a big big hit on them. But it is always surprising, you know. We may have a freeze, but you know, a surprising even under a just a little bit of leaf or under, in a, behind some bark, uh, it's not frozen there, especially earlier on in the season. So um, I would suspect that we're going to see still see them for a few weeks, trying to get into our homes, and uh, and and just in the case of, of this one, it, it was brought over brought over on purpose and i don't think there was any any uh mis- you know any malfeasance if you will about that we just didn't know that is going to have this side effect of getting in our homes now before the show we were just talking quick about it you mentioned spring but i didn't know what you were getting at there Where, was there oh, yeah. an issue with these things in the spring well, so if you, if you do have them in your house, you may not know they're all there. And so the point, uh, and kind of what we were talking with you before the show, is that what happens when it starts warming up, you know, we're not thinking that far ahead, though, but when it starts warming up in the spring, what I recommend is just opening up your windows and your doors, especially early on, and let the beetles out. Let them go. Uh, let them uh, get to the, do, their, do their thing, perhaps, um, and, uh, and uh, you don't have to worry about treating them when they start kind of waking up in the spring. Yeah, and the the other the other situation too is they're if they're in your house, I know they stink kind of. If you they smell sure them, they they bite, and if you squish yep. them, they're nasty. They yep. you know stain your don't squish them on your clothes apparently or your furniture. But other than that, if they're just in your house, I mean, if they're they're not really gonna they're not gonna do anything to your house physically, right? No, they uh, they pretty much go into what's called a diapause, which is a resting state, uh, and they're not really even eating or doing anything over over the winter. So, um, you know, if you if you do find them, you know, I would you know back them up, remove them, do what you need to do to dispose of them. Um, but you know, don't let them you know don't let them crawl on you or your kids because they will bite and they have do have the ability to and to, in some cases to actually make a little a small little wound there that heals really quickly. It's not a venom or anything like that. It's a physical thing, but definitely nasty um they do leave stains you know they actually have a defensive mechanism where they release fluid from their um joints and so that's kind of an issue as well so it's it's kind of a kind of a you don't really want them in your house nobody wants them in their house 
feel like we missed all the homework here. I'm bringing these things over. Um, <laughs> since then, have we figured out other ways to uh, help soybean farmers in, in getting rid of, uh, you know, pests besides, yeah, besides lo- spray? things, yeah. Yeah, so um, they do pr- pr- there's genetic and modified soybeans. There's various sprays and, and uh, chemicals that soybean farmers can put out there. Um, this is true for all crops, of course, uh, uh, especially the large market, corn and soybeans and things like that. But when you're talking about all that stuff, I'm like, I get itchy. Like, I'm, you know, GMO, some of that stuff I'm, I'm not so bothered by, but spraying all yeah. this stuff and then eating the thing, uh, that always makes. So the, I feel like the, the beetles, we could just put up with them being in the corner of our, our house for a while. Yeah, yeah. I think most of us, would want not want them to be there, and I think if we were to turn back the clock, we probably wouldn't have released them. Um, but as, as you know, I think it really goes to the point. You know, when we really need to do our homework, when we are going to decide to use a biological control agent such as this, you know, to kind of really fully look at what some of the potential side effects are. I mean, it's really, and again, it's still really hard to predict. We're speaking with effects. we're speaking with Dr. Ted Wilson. He's the chair of the biology department at Viterbo University. I wanted to talk about crickets, but I, I I'm going to run out of time, so I want okay. I'm going to bring this up instead because people yep. people don't want to hear us about e- your your habits of eating crickets and and put them in the oven, and, uh, which you brought up for just a minute. But um, the I, I've been swerving a lot driving in from from the Houston area. Uh, trying to miss all the woolly bear uh, yeah. caterpillars in the road, and I, you know, each year I kind of I, I start to read about, I get more interested in this stuff. These things, these things like hide in the leaves over winter, right? Like they, you don't have to go save the woolly bears if they're out right, real in, in the in the cold, right? These things kind of live through winter. That's right. That's right. So yeah, that's the woolly bear. It actually turns into a moth, a tiger moth, and it has to survive winter too. It's not one that goes south like the um, monarchs. And they they spend the winter as that caterpillar, um, and just kind of find a nice place to hunker down where they don't freeze too much, and uh, spend the winter, and then come out in the come out in the spring. Yeah, that kind of it kind of amazed me when I when I start seeing them as as winter, you know, as as the the snow thaws and, and whatnot. I was like, oh, there's a woolly bear just kind of climbing around. What the heck's going on? And, I, and it just brought my, it jogged my memory because I saw one just chilling out yesterday in my driveway and I had to go through them. What, what should we do with these things if we find them? Should we go find a, a nice little tree to put them on or what do they like to eat? What kind of trees? Oh, well, so this time of year, they're not really looking for anything to eat. So uh, let them, just let them go. Uh, find a, a nice, uh, if they got the woods, put them in the woods and the underbrush. You know, don't put them up in the tree. They'd probably just climb out anyway. So if you got some dead wood, put them on a log or something like that and they should be able to make, make a, make their way for the winter okay and you're swerving right when you see these on the road going 55 miles an hour you're swerving to miss them. oh yeah yeah you gotta avoid but you know you gotta be careful though too you know you gotta make choices when you drive so be, drive careful being sarcastic people um, I know. And, <laughs> and then last thing like real quick like the you know i sent you this article how, how we we might be eating crickets we might be eating bugs someday as a sustainable practice to getting protein um you, you said that's probably not going to happen anytime soon huh well um it could actually. There are, um, you know, widespread. It's basically it's a cultural thing, right? People just don't like to eat uh, eat insects in in, our, in most of our cultures in North America. Um, it's very easy. I've done this for my students. Um, you know, you can uh, you can bake basically crickets. You know, kind of freeze them and then uh, uh, basically dry roast them is what you're what you're doing. People, you can ground them up, put them in and uh, brownies and those types of things. There are markets and products out there of like cricket based uh, granola bars. Um, 
if you look into it, you can actually buy these things, and they are FDA-approved for human consumption as a supplement, especially for the protein aspect of it. There are cultures out there where insects are much more incorporated into the local diet, where they're eating water bugs and things like that that come out. Now, if I just if I find them uh, outside, just go ahead and grab them and, and bring them in and, and throw them in the in the frying pan. Yeah, I don't know if I would do that. You know what? What you can do if you want crickets, what I do is I go to the local pet store and buy some feeder crickets, get some big ones, and uh, those are probably be a little bit more suitable than going out and finding crickets. Although people do do that, I tend to avoid avoid that though. My personally, do you do do you do this for the class ever? Do you just bring in and give everyone some cricket samples? I have done it, and I'm probably probably due to do it again. So it's uh, you know, you, you give them choices. So sometimes you leave the legs on, and that gives you a little handle. Some people don't like to have the legs on, so you kind of give you have to have options. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, thanks a lot, Doctor Ted Wilson, uh, for for joining us and and having some fun again. You bet, right? All right, we're going to be back. We're going to talk to Doctor Aaron Engel now in a couple of minutes about the Lacrosse School District uh, reopening, bringing kids back. And, and what that means and what that looks like. We'll be back after this. I was it. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Dr. Aaron Engel, the lacrosse school superintendent, is on the phone with me. Aaron, how's your, how's your lady Asian beetle situation going at home? Uh, we've got a few in the house. We're working on eradicating them. <laughs> All right. Probably, probably worse when you were in Galesville, maybe, huh? Uh, yeah, we had a south-facing uh, side of our house, and that sun just brought them in every fall once the soybeans disappeared. Now, does the Lunch Lady Army, do they ever distribute uh, crickets as food? Any uh, Anything going like that? I don't think so. I'm not sure that they meet our health and safety guidelines for uh, <laughs> USDA. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and more serious, on a more serious note, uh, you guys, uh, you posted yesterday on the Facebook page, you kind of do the updates every Wednesday on just where we're at with COVID-19 in the, in the district. And um, 4K through 5th grade students are coming back October 26th. Um, is that set in stone? Um, barring some, you know, significant change in the trend, uh, we're coming back on October 26th. Did you look at the cases today? Does that go, oh, good. Like, I think we, I think the, the Cooley collaborative case, uh, data said 69 or 59 cases today. Yeah, that was not uh, a number in the right direction. Um, However, we've noticed a trend where numbers are a little bit lower on the weekend and early in the week, and then they seem to rise later in the week as people uh, make appointments and get to the doctor. So um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see higher case rates on Thursdays and Fridays, but anticipate it to be lower over the course of the week. Yeah, that that does typically happen. Um, what does school look like when uh, 4K through fifth graders are are in class? How is it? How I guess we we know what school looks like in general, but how is school going to look different? I guess. Yeah. So our number one priority as we return schools in this environment is safety, and so we've got. Uh, lots of protocols and procedures that we've put in place, you know, so kids will come in kind of instead of all 400 kids coming through the same couple of doors, we've got different entrances for students. Um, They'll come into their classrooms and, you know, we've removed a lot of furniture from the classroom so that kids can spread out a little bit more to give them their six feet of space. Uh, We've got uh, plexiglass up in order to protect uh, folks that are working kind of in the same spot all day. Um, kids will be wearing masks, you know, to protect each other, uh, which uh, um, uh, we we know our kids are able to do. 
and uh, teachers will have masks on and maybe some uh, face shields. But, um, you know, after that, it's going to look like elementary school. Now, the, the meme I always see, and I, I, I always say memes are the detriment to society, but the meme I always say is little Timmy left school with a Ninja Turtles mask and he came home with, uh, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny mask. I'm doing really old references there. But uh, the, the, the idea that kids are going to uh, keep a mask on, uh, some people are, 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 they don't believe that. The kids are either going to be trading masks or, or, or losing masks or not wearing the mask. Uh, are, are you still kind of up in the air on, on that trend? Um, so we've been so one of the advantages we had in delaying our, our reopening in person is that we've been able to talk to principals from around the area and around the state on uh, how things have gone for them and the, the different strategies they've used. And as far as masks go, uh, what uh, we're hearing is kids have no trouble wearing a mask all day, keeping it on, keeping it to themselves. Um, the mask issue has not been one at all for elementary kids. All right. So maybe uh, kids are better than adults at wearing masks. Who knows? That may very well be the case. <laughs> um, have, have, in talking, yeah, and we talked about this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the idea that you would be able to cherry pick uh, from different schools, and obviously Galesville had opened, the GET school district opened right away. Um, have, have you gotten any other good insight from, from other districts on, on what, you know, maybe you didn't anticipate? Um, one thing that uh, we've been kind of reflecting on and learning about is the hybrid model and how that uh, affects students. You know, um, people started maybe with uh, five days a week, you know, virtual learning, and then they went to a hybrid model where they were only getting two days a week of virtual learning. And so we've learned some really valuable lessons there when our middle school and high schools return on how to structure those days to keep learning moving, keep kids engaged that, you know, maybe we didn't know uh, a month ago. Yeah, the, and the hybrid model is just a – can you just describe that a little bit? Absolutely. So um, kids would come um, – in two different cohorts, so two different groups, so we divide the uh, middle school in half, say, and half the kids would come on Monday and Tuesday. We'd have Wednesday off to, to clean the building, and then on Thursday and Friday, the other half of the students would come. So that would be a, a hybrid model. I've talked to a couple of students, and, and the, the school board has uh, student reps that, that are on the virtual meetings, if anyone's watching those. Um, I, I've talked to a couple of students. They're, they're not giant fans of virtual learning, and, you know, what, what has your impression been of virtual learning, and have you heard from students that are having some trouble with it? Yeah, we've heard generally positive things from parents and students, uh, and I think a lot of it's kind of relative to last spring when we were thrown into this, you know, whole new world with very little opportunity to prepare. And so our teachers have done just an incredible job uh, adapting to virtual learning and virtual instruction. And so, by and large, we've heard positive things. That being said, uh, you know, the majority of our, our, our parents and students um, who have chosen, you know, the in-person format really want their kids back in school. And, uh, you know, we're trying our best to get them there as soon as possible. And I will say the, the students that I've talked to, they've complained that they have too much homework. And I'm just thinking like, mm, yeah, that's what we all complain about our entire lives. <laughs> uh, we're speaking yeah. with Do- Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. We're speaking with Dr. Aaron Engel. He's the lacrosse school superintendent. Uh, he's been a, on the job since, what, July 1st, right? Like, that's around July, I think. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Um, and, uh, yeah, how, how, how has everything else been going? I mean, you've really had two, fa- two focuses right now, right? Or maybe not. Maybe, what, what are your main focuses? I know there's the SRO situation, the school resource officer situation, COVID situation. Have you had any time to worry about anything else? 
those have been the big two things. Um, I've been trying my best to to meet people, mostly virtually, uh, to learn about the school district, uh, to see what resources are out there and how we can uh, partner with folks. Uh, We're in the process of developing a a strategic plan for equity in order to ensure that every child gets what they need to succeed here at school. Uh, So we're in the process of that as well. But really, it's been uh, focusing on COVID and our school resource office uh, program evaluation. Um, uh, another question I, I know some parents have had: uh, kids are coming back to school, so do, do the is the bus situation any different? We're we're throwing kids uh, uh, on buses now, and are they do they have to sit every other seat? Does the bus driver sit behind? Does he have to wear anything special? What's what's going on with the buses? Uh, we've changed a, a few parameters for the buses. We're generally going to try and keep one student per seat. Uh, we're also um, looking at keeping families together so we can double up or, or in seats with uh, individuals in the same family, so that helps us create some space. Um, for those parents that are able to do so, we're encouraging them to uh, drop off their kid, and if they're within uh, a reasonable distance, uh, have their, their child walk just to free up some of that space on the bus. Oh, so when they're adults, they can talk about how during a COVID pandemic they had to walk uphill both ways, ten feet of snow, no sun. Right? That's that's what that's what's going to happen when these kids are older. Exactly. <laughs> um, and okay, so K through uh, what is it? Four K through fifth grade, they're going to be back uh, unless something ridiculous happens with COVID in the next two weeks. And you, you, you the idea here is that you, for sure, when they're back, they're going to be back for two weeks. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? Essentially, that's correct. Yep, our, our goal is to create some stability. Uh, it takes us a little while to switch our transportation, to change our food service program, to establish special education, and our parents need some notice, you know, to be able to arrange childcare as things change as well. So our, our goal is two weeks at a time, at a minimum. All right, and then the the middle school students they're doing the hybrid thing. So half the class comes in Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday is off. The other half the class comes in Thursday and Friday. Um, do you anticipate that going that remaining like that, or could they be total in person at some point? Um, absolutely, could be total in person. Uh, you know, if we can get down to that less than ten cases per day, I believe our model says, you know, we would be able to consider you know all students in person for uh, middle school. The concern we have with you know middle and high school um, um, schedules is that kids change classes, they go to different classrooms, they're in the hallways. It, it leads to a lot of intermingling and a lot more contacts throughout the day. So if there was a positive case, it would be very difficult to contact Trace and, and isolate those students. Whereas in our elementaries, where kids are generally in the same classroom all day, you know, we're able to easily isolate a student, know who they came into contact with. You know, If we come back all in person at the, the middle or the high school level, the way we've traditionally run school, one case could easily lead to us having to shut down, and we don't want that kind of you know back and forth with those students. Uh, how does FIED work? Um, so our physical education teachers have been doing amazing work through this period of time. You know they've uh, got uh, workout plans and activities for kids to do, and uh, um, you know kids love to move and be physical. So it, it's, it's re- I don't think it's been. Um, too much of a challenge to keep kids moving. Uh, it will look a little different, though, obviously. And, um, you know, the 
teachers have been doing an amazing job uh, being creative and thinking through um, different ways to, to get kids to engage in, in, in uh, physical activity. Yeah, I guess virtual learning in the in a FIAD class would almost look like those 80s like uh, workout tapes and five more and four more, like something like that. <laughs> uh, um, and I'm just kidding, obviously. Like, yeah, I guess. Do you do you do you look at what FIAD teachers are doing virtually and, and are you kind of amazed at, at some of the did you, does anything stick out that the uniqueness of what they're doing? Um, I think the the really impressive thing is just the way they're able to engage kids and things that they're able to do in their own home or in their own backyard. Uh, you know, they're really just taking advantage of kids' natural interests and, and what's already available to them. You know, so it's it's instead of having all the resources you might in your FIAD closet, you've got to think about what, what the kid has at home. And so our FIAD teachers have been doing a wonderful job thinking through that and coming up with really neat plans. We're speaking with Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. Last question. Um. We've had uh, two debates so far in assembly candidates in the state. There's another one tomorrow in a district south of here. And then next week, there's a, a state Senate race between Brad Paff and Dan Kopenke. That's another debate. And a lot of the questions uh, just talk about, hey, we need to get kids back. Or the answers are always, we want to get kids back in school. And we all know that. We all want to get kids back in school. Um, we all know that we need to keep safe. Uh, all that general stuff is easy to say. But if you were if you were going to propose uh, things to the state legislature that they should be doing to help schools. Do you have like a, a, a like, would you roll out a scroll and it would roll across down the floor 10 feet? Um, <laughs> what kind of, what kind of things would you, would you ask from a state legislature just to, to, to help you guys reopen safely? Absolutely. There's, there's lots of things that, you know, we would look at. There's some rules and regulations around te- retired teachers being able to return to school. We know substitute teachers are going to be in shortage this year. So the, the deeper our pool there, the better. Um, school funding is going to be an issue as we move forward. We've seen a, a little bit of a decline in our enrollment this year, like almost every school district has, and that could really hurt us for years to come if, if this legislature doesn't address that. And then, you know, the biggest thing that drives our ability to come back to school is the conditions in the community. So I know it's controversial, but, you know, if we can require masks and encourage people to socially distance, you know, that is the biggest thing that will lead to us being able to return to school. And uh, raises for all teachers, right? <laughs> uh, we'll never turn down uh, more money. Uh, that being said, we want money to go to the right places and the right things. And our teachers have never worked harder. They all deserve a raise, as well as our food service, our custodians. Uh, you know, it's just been incredible to be around uh, the wonderful employees we have in lacrosse. Yeah, I was thinking about you know, people where I was talking about the students being being coming back, but the teachers, you know, virtual learning, they're they're in class. I feel like their their schedule might be like you you have to be on call for maybe sixteen hours a day. Uh, I, I have been really impressed. I, I was we were trying to arrange some meetings with a, a teacher group, and they were having conflicts because they were meeting with students at 7 p.m., 8 p.m. They had one-on-one sessions. They were really being adaptive to, to what the students need. Um, our, our teachers have been incredibly flexible. They've worked harder than they ever had. It's really been amazing. All right, Dr. Aaron Engel, thanks a lot for joining me. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. See ya. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap up after this. I'm with them. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a minute to go here. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Dr. Ted Wilson at Viterbo for joining. Talk about the multicolored Asian lady beetles. And to Dr. Aaron Engel, the superintendent at Lacrosse. 
didn't get into the SRO thing. Uh, I think we can get into that. There, the school board meeting is in a month. So maybe in a couple of weeks, we, we talk to Engel just about where we're at with the school resource officer program in the Lacrosse School District. Uh, the mayor has, has said if he was going to bet on it, uh, gambling not legal. Also, another thing maybe we could take up with the state legislature, uh, legalized gambling, legalized marijuana. Um, if he was going to bet on it, though, Cabot said that the, the school resource officer would be changed in some way or or just be gone. Um, and, and that's kind of what uh, it looks like when, when you see some of these meetings and, and read some stuff about what's happening there. Um, yeah, school's back in session for 4K through 5th grade students in, a, in a, what, about a 11 days? 11 days. Next Monday. I wonder what kids think when they're like, yeah, guess what? You're going back to school. It's just the, the general thought would be like, oh no, like you got to go back to school. But at this point, maybe they're, maybe they're happy to, to be going back. And, and, and I think maybe like high schoolers probably like, good, I don't want to go back to school. I don't, I have no idea. I don't, I feel like the, the general consensus when you, when you think about schools, kids, you didn't want to be there. Right. Like, but, but during a pandemic, maybe you don't want to be at home anymore. Maybe dad makes you do too many chores when you're, uh, when you're at home. Hopefully my dad's not listening. I probably end up having to do chores the next time I'm home. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Dr. Anthony Chagoski tomorrow.